0: I mean, there's challenges all the time, I think. I think the thing, um, the way you worded the question about it not being linear is a really important part of the understanding that you gain when you grow um, grow any plants, but particularly ones where you're, where, you know, fruit and vegetables that you want to harvest. Um, but accepting the fact that, you know, speed bumps and failures are part of the process when, you know, if you were to look on Instagram, everything's so perfect and beautiful, isn't it? And, and, you know, the ugly stuff doesn't make it, um, I think makes it seem like the journey is always going to be smooth and beautiful and delicious. And sometimes, you know, a lot of the time it isn't.
1: There's nothing more social than sharing a spritz with friends and Spritzing Hour shares the stories of those who bring us together over great food and drink. I'm Claire Warner, co-founder of ACORN, a range of non-alcoholic aperitifs, and I'm on a mission to prove just how important great food and drink are in connecting us to one another. I want to expose the bitter truth from the rule breakers and game changers who are turning the table on traditional food and drink culture and reshaping our social lives for the better. I'll be hearing from chefs, growers, bartenders, writers, and a whole host of people who, like me, are curious and passionate about how we can enhance that simple act of grabbing a seat at the table and eating and drinking together. Welcome to Spritzing Hour. This is a brand sparkling new podcast where I'll be exploring how life's simple pleasures can bring us closer together. I'm Claire Warner, co-founder of Acorn, and today we're joined by Claire Rattanon. Claire is an organic food grower and writer based in East Sussex. She's worked in a range of roles, from growing produce for the Ottolenghi restaurant Rovi to delivering growing workshops throughout London to audiences including East London primary schools, community centres, and corporate clients. Claire is really passionate about growing plants, especially the edible ones, and their potential to be nourishing, connecting, and healing. Now, I first met Claire when I sent her a random message on Instagram to ask if she'd be up for talking with me about how the natural world can make us happier. We instantly connected over a Zoom and then shared a brilliant afternoon exploring her new life, her chickens, and how a surprising discovery in Brooklyn completely transformed her life, bringing her to food, plants, and how the act of growing them is indeed an act of love. I've not met anyone who speaks so beautifully and evocatively about the power of food and how it can be uplifting, grounding, humble, yet majestic. I loved our conversation. I hope you do too. So hi, Claire. Thanks for joining us on our first Spritzing Hour. It's a pleasure to see you. Thank you so much for having me. It's lovely to be here. So you are... As we've talked about in the past, a self-confessed urban gardener, nature nerd, nature obsessive. Um, but the work that you do that really particularly interests me is is when you talk about food growing as a as a, an act of love. So could you talk uh, talk us through that a little bit? Because I think it's you talk so beautifully about you know this this connection to food and how it connects us all. Sure. Um,
0: yeah I think um, the reason why I ended up the reason why I talk about food growing as an act of love I think is in some ways to distinguish me as a grower of anything else you know I think um, I've always grown in small spaces and so um, a lot of people just it's sort of just say oh you're a gardener and then ask me questions about ornamentals that I can't answer <laughs> and so and so I you know I, I, I think that I ended up um, kind of really thinking hard about what it is that brought me to food over any other plant, you know, kind of kind to grow, and and it just made me realise that that was that was I think always going to be my gateway coming back to nature, and and I say that sort of on purpose because I I really didn't grow up feeling connected to the natural world. I didn't grow up in a kind of nature centric. Um, space I mean I was in the suburbs we had a you know a small garden and a park nearby but I just had no sense of kinship with it you know I had no, nothing that felt that was kind of calling me towards it and you know it was really bookish and and that was really encouraged you know and so I just didn't see nature as something that was relevant and and so you know I've sort of told you this story before but the way that I came around to to doing the work that I do is completely by chance and of uh, finding this this uh, rooftop farm in New York when I was living there and 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 I think you know uh, there's lots of lovely gardens and I think actually one of the first places I went to was the High Line in New York when I arrived and it would have been two years before finding Brooklyn Grange and that didn't necessarily ignite the same enthusiasm in me I loved it there I would go there and it was a very beautiful place but I had no um pull to create something like that but then when I was on this farm um I was just so captivated by the you know the kind of delectability of the the what was growing there the tastes and the textures and the they're so beautiful but they were also you know feeding people in this seemingly implausible way was, and, and you know, nurturing nurturing plants and, and offering them up for the community is just so there's just so such a fantastically radical thing to see happening in an implausible place and I think that's why for me, you know, growing in small spaces, growing in cities has been such a transformative process and such a such a, um, a meaningful in, endeavor is that it was there was nothing about it that it was that made sense, as it were. Is like, you know, if there's there's some aspect of like looking at. Um, oh, my goodness. Sorry, there's a double rainbow outside. <laughs> oh, it's <laughs> oh, so on a flow there, but I'm going to have to show you. No, so show, show us. It.
1: I wonder if oh god, it. yeah, I can see one, and then the other one is probably just out, it's like a little bit. Too oh, yeah, I can kind of see it, I can kind of see it, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's amazing. amazing. Oh, my god, it's a sign.
0: It goes, I can't see the end, I can't see the other end, it goes all the way down to the other. Anyway, sorry, we're blessed. Uh, yes, this is who I am now. I did it, I did a I did an interview for, I think it was Gardener's World magazine, and in the middle of it we were just chatting, suddenly a buzzard flew in, I know Sam's pointing at it, <laughs> at me. I can see there's two, sorry, <laughs> he knows that we're doing this, <laughs> it's lovely, yeah, well done. Anyway, so in the middle of this interview, we um, a buzzard flew, like unbelievably close to the bay window, just like, flew and landed in a tree like next to the house I just started screaming <laughs> was just like, and, and it was like luckily it was like lovely someone who really like was just completely in love with the natural world too and was just like I would have done the same you know really yeah. so that's who I am now I guess deeply distracted <laughs>
1: I mean, by I mean it's the um natural world. It, when when you look when you think about your reaction to buzzards and even the pigeon when we were filming together uh, <laughs> yeah. the pigeon in the tree and you know the 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 Claire that's screaming at the double rainbow outside and you compare her to the old Claire that was, you know, in a very different world, a very different job, you are know, in New York, you know, living this very sort of urban cosmopolitan life. You know, what is there a huge difference between between who you are now versus who you were then? Yeah,
0: enormous. Um, yeah, I feel like, the, you know, in some, some respects, I'm still the same person, but there's just been a huge shift that has been made possible by turning myself towards this work, you know, and, and, and part, part of that is sort of exemplified by uh, screaming when I see a buzzard land next to the house or, you know, yelling at a rainbow because it's so beautiful. It's, it's the noticing, I suppose. And I think to some extent it doesn't mean that I wouldn't have noticed, you know, rainbows are quite overwhelming, aren't they? So yeah. I'm sure I would have, it would have got some reaction from me, but there's something I think, um, that was, you know, dormant um, because it wasn't something that was nurtured and encouraged up until you know my late twenties. That there was no space for it to be expressed, and so now um, there's there's this kind of un- unleashing of of this. This deep love I suppose a deep feeling of 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 connection and and yeah and adoration and reverence as well for for what the natural world is able to to present when it's on show but also what it's able to uphold in the quietest of ways you know and and I think that's um I think that's the biggest shift is I'm so thankful now that I know I know more about um what the natural world offers us and and how it how it supports and upholds us in so many ways and 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 then also feel a duty to reciprocate that you know and to participate in in the upholding of nature in in return and in kind and and um yeah so I'm a very different person I think it's (laughs) affected everything that I do and say and the choices I make the calculations I make about the life that I lead it's it's sort of impossible, I think, to compartmentalize it into even just work you know it's more than it's more than work for me. I mean it is a job and it has been a job and it's been a hard job in many ways, depending on what I was doing and who I was growing for and where but um but yeah it's more it has become more than that for me. It has become a, a really like fundamental part of my being in a way that it didn't exist in that way before mm. um so, yeah. so guys,
1: <laughs> looking outside in now to, you know, if we were to encourage, and we will encourage people to go and check out your Instagram and obviously buy your book, which is amazing, <gasps> how to good. go your dinner without leaving the house, <laughs> you know, looking outside in, you outwardly appear to be fully immersed in the natural world and this is this has not been forever as you as you've ex- just explained you know how how for how many years have you been sort of this Claire versus the sort of New York videographer documentary maker Claire how long it, how, what's this journey how hmm. long's has this journey taken you so I think let me think it was summer
0: 2013 when I um walked up those stairs to Brooklyn Grange for the first time and so I was there in New York for that summer and the following summer volunteering and learning what I could in 2014 almost exactly a year ago in fact on Halloween I moved back I had always go through a lot of transition at this time of year it's almost like a season of transition yeah well I suppose there's something about autumn maybe maybe I'm more connected to natural cycles than I give myself credit for but I do a lot of change a lot of change happens often at this time of year <laughs> I moved back at Halloween and um and then it was the following year that I just sort of gave everything I could to to learning what I could wear and retraining and so that has been so what's that five years six years now so, yeah. so yes not that long but I've yeah. I really have um thrown myself everything into it it's sort of miraculous that I have a book already Yeah, designed for people who. You know, it was it's designed for someone like me five years ago, actually. Yeah. It has really not a lot of access to space and and I, I didn't have any access to any outside space, and that's why I was growing, you know, you know, any space that anybody else would would allow me to share with them, you know, community gardens and market gardens with social enterprises, that kind of thing. Mm. Um, but yeah, so when I when I went set about creating this book, it, it had it was thinking of the me that I was before in mind, you know, what did I need to know at the beginning? So it is a very, you know, kind of back to basics book and and but it but it's very specifically about growing crops in in containers, in pots, because I think if you've got a limited space, even if you've got a perfectly sunny space, the likelihood is it's probably paved over or, you know, you don't really know what the state of the soil is, or you might be rented, or you know, you might have trouble bending over. There's all there's an all manner of of um you know, think, things to overcome that, mm-hmm. that that container growing makes possible. And so when when Lawrence King um and the publishing house approached me to write the book, um that's why I wanted to focus it on that because I think there there is a burgeoning new generation of of people who are interested in this process and and even if it's just growing something very small for themselves and want to understand how it works and and don't necessarily have the the means to do that and so learning at least the, the kind of principles or what you need to consider when you grow in a container is a that's a good starting block and then you know when you yeah. do move which I have done you can apply it to your garden soil which you know I think everybody yeah. should have access to but that's a
1: yeah, yeah it's a we, privilege we for sure to, come on to that I suppose you know growing in a very small space um forces you to perhaps be a little bit more creative or to um you know just set your sights slightly smaller and you know learn in a very small quiet way before you can then gain the confidence Is and that's how you that's how you started right
0: Ooh, absolutely I think that's where everybody starts you know there's very few people who I think are if their starter garden is is a you know a, a quarter acre veg patch like I think maybe it makes no. start small <laughs> and um and so yeah I think and I think that that's I think that's the wisest way because I think that you learn best when you're scaling up sort of incrementally because it is it's an exercise in um there's a lot of participation but there's an it's an exercise in patience and observation as well and I think if you're if you're learning the kind of the 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 basics of 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 how to to sow a seed and and kind of nurture it to maturity if you've got lots going on i think it can be very hard it can be hard and very overwhelming to keep on top of all the things because they you know they they change incrementally but it can happen really fast if you're not you know present all the time or not able to pay attention all the time it is a privilege to be able to carve that time out to to grow for yourself you know and Mm. so um so yeah i definitely i would definitely advise um like going steadily into it yeah. <laughs> and it's also one of those things where it's um you know it's it's good to focus on what you're going to eat like what is most delicious to you what makes you what feels exciting and that's the the great the, the kind of best gateway I think and because because I think if you're not excited about what's growing you're just growing it for the sake of growing you might not get you know, might not find the process as enriching and I think mm. just kind of speak to one of your first questions is that's that's what I think um that's why I think that food growing was and is you know is my main focus because um I was just so captivated with the way that these vegetables tasted that um it really called called me to question why I didn't understand how they came to be on my plate Mm. and, and like what it took for for that, that plant to grow, and for somebody to have have stewarded it to to grow to the point where it could then feed me, I didn't understand that process, and I mm-hmm. just it was it was one of those moments where you know the kind of curtains fell, and I just suddenly realised there was this whole world that I rely on every day, at least three times a day, and I had absolutely no idea how it worked, not even yeah. like aside from the systems. Not even the natural systems did I understand how it operated. And I was just, I felt really excited by that. But I was also mm. a little bit, a bit devastated, I think. I was a little bit embarrassed to realise yeah. that I had no clue how it all operated. And so, and so yeah, it was, I think it was always going to be food. It was always, yeah. always going to be food. And there's, yeah, food is my love language. It's how I express myself to the people around me and how I show them that I care. And growing food was just like a huge elevation of that. You know, I love to it's how I we celebrate and commiserate and, you know, bookmark our days. Like mm. why I I I've never really understood anybody who takes a really kind of um pragmatic approach to food. It's not fuel, you know, it's joy. No. And no. so so yeah, I think I think that um yeah, it was always gonna be food and growing food for people and giving it to them is like the most joy ever which I think you've probably seen I ran down and threw a cucumber in your
1: car before you left. <laughs> it was a delicious cucumber and other things as well. <laughs> you can escape the cucumbers. I mean, reading your book, you know, the the your language, your love language certainly comes through, you know, just reading something very functional about, um, you know, growing in a small container still feels like a very um, intimate uh Close, quiet, sort of nourishing sentence. You know, I get a lot of joy just reading about how you describe. I don't know, deciding what to grow or protecting your plants from pests. You know, it, the, the affection that you that you have for what you do really comes through in your writing. That's so nice. <laughs> it's, so, it's so true. You know, what my question, I suppose, would be for those people who um, you know look. At the plants that grow, or the food that's in the supermarket, and feel quite disconnected to to those things. You know, the people who see food as fuel. How, yeah, you know, what would you say to them as a way to try and awaken that that affection for for food and for growing?
0: Well, well for me, you know, it, it is the simple act of growing growing a plant from seed. You know, I think there's something um, very uh, there's something very fundamental and very elemental about that act. It's it's you know the one of the only acts that our entire species relies upon in order to continue existing and to have evolved to the point where we are now. Um, so I would always if if they if there's the space and the right conditions for it, I would always encourage somebody to try and grow something, anything at all. You know, it's amazing. You, you know, there's not a lot that will grow um, in sort of less than ideal conditions well but you know you can grow microgreens, greens and there is something really really satisfying even if you only grow them to the you know first true seed level to growing something that you then eat and you harvest it and you eat it immediately and experience the taste of that freshness it's very it's captivating I think and I, in, in um and aside from that I think I, I would really encourage people. And this is this is actually like not a particularly accessible thing to do. So it's kind of it sticks in my throat to suggest it, I suppose. But um, you know, I, when I was growing for for growing communities in Hackney, it's a social social enterprise. One of the things they do is I have a farmer's market, the I think the only organic, fully organic farmers market in London. And and when you're there, you can talk to the people who grow the food. You know, you can experience varieties and even entire types of vegetables that you won't be able to find in the supermarket and so um, I think there's something really powerful about connecting with somebody who does this work and and just even just interacting with them on a human level really like creates this work as a human endeavor because the thing the the thing that I think is really challenging about um kind of the disconnect that's created by the way that we acquire food and the systems that bring it to us you know packaged in plastic on a shelf is it takes the humanity out of it and there's so much humanity there's I mean there's so much nature in it too and that's another another aspect that I think connecting with the humanity of food growing actually makes connecting with the the nature and food growing more possible but I do, I do think yeah at, at, Finding your way towards somebody who grows food and, and coming to appreciate what that process really looks like. Because if you only ever have the end product, you know, I think there's 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 quite a few. In fact, there are vegetables that I don't grow, partly because they take up so much space. And I think just personally for me, the, the end product doesn't necessarily... Um, justify the effort on this <laughs> but like I don't grow cauliflowers and I don't grow cabbages they're massive plants and but if you go and you know you go to a supermarket you can get a cabbage for less than a pound that's that's really devalued I think if because it's that's just such a that's such a small amount of money relative to how much Um, has gone into that plant how much time I mean can we just take a long time to grow a long time to grow and so you know that's that's all of that is erased if the only thing you ever see is that that final product and so I don't know yeah I think I think whatever it takes to engage in that process you know following farmers on Instagram and watching when they are sowing the, the seeds for the cabbages or planting them out and then realizing actually they're not harvesting them till many many months later and just paying attention to what those processes look like and also like the reality of actually being out there in the rain and and also in the scorching sun and dealing with the elements and doing all of that incredible work trying to um you know navigate what nature throws at you when you're trying to uh nurture a harvest <laughs> it's yeah it's a really humbling thing to to witness actually because we rely on it so heavily to think that we don't even acknowledge those that do it um, for the most part of our you know eating which the same with me you know the vast majority of my food are, it's not like I'm going and <laughs> either growing it all myself or picking it myself from you know or, or, or engaging with the people who grow it there's plenty of things that I have that I don't do that with but I think once you open that window of understanding there's at least a um the possibility of a kind of gratitude that arises out of that knowing mm. that I think is is actually really necessary for us to to demand more of the systems that if, if we have the privilege to do so to demand more of the systems that feed us it's de- yeah. demand that they do better by the environment and thereby do better by us yeah yeah it's tough we, though it's not yeah. they're invisible for a reason and for some people they have yeah. to stay that way because there's other things they have to live their lives concerned with and that yeah. is entirely fair yeah
1: yeah yeah we do we do uh like to put up or create a lot of distance between what we eat or, you know, where that food comes from. And I mean, speaking personally, when I moved into my new house, we scattered some seeds in the back garden and then was incredibly surprised when a huge tomato plant, just like something like out of Jack and the Beanstalk grew. And, you know, we were eating these tomatoes You know, there were too many tomatoes for us to eat. And that was my first experience of growing anything and being able to eat it. And, you know, the guys that live next door to me have this great apple tree in their garden. And when I'm talking to them about this tomato plant and and then sort of saying, "Gosh, you know your apples. You how many apples do you must eat every day?" And they're like, "Oh, gross! <laughs> we don't eat those apples." It, you know, I was filled with awe, and they were, you know, filled with disgust. And I'm saying to them, "Please take some of my tomatoes. I've got too many." And they're like, "Please take all of our tom- all of our apples. We we don't want them." You know, it's it's. Um, I suppose it's it's very much about your perspective and you know really trying to um, yeah connect more with what is growing and what is sustaining us. Um, so when we talk about your journey into being an organic, an urban organic gardener, you know, what? talk to me about some of the moments when you were like, what the fuck am I doing? Is this what <laughs> I want to do? You know, because it feels as though it's a very linear, very um, intuitive process um, that I'm sure was much more difficult Mm -hmm. Than you know, you you sort of like talk about. So can we talk a little bit about some of the challenges that you faced along the way?
0: Firstly, I'd like to say, you know, your tomato story just shows that there's, there's conventional wisdom and the instructions that are given to people. And then sometimes there is just like the universe is on your side. Nature is taking care of it. Because if you ask anybody, should I just throw this tomato seed outside? Like, <laughs> oh no, it needs warmth and cuddles and coddling and it needs to be babied. And then you need to put it outside and then inside and then outside and then inside until it's ready to go outside. And then it goes outside and then it faces the world and it dies. <laughs> and like, the fact that you were just like, just bung it outside and it gave you tomatoes is amazing. amazing. <laughs> I mean, it just shows that taking chances sometimes is worth it. I mean, I... I say that as if I'd ever throw a tomato seed outside, I never would. I think I actually quite like the babysitting process as well. I think it makes me it gives me it gives me a sense of my own value if I can be the one who cuddles these babies to know.
1: I will but, um, say though that we've clearly me. we've clearly pissed the tomato off because it didn't ever come back. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> well, that's okay. It's not
0: it's not meant to. It's not they're not perennial. they well, they're not perennial in this country, so they're not meant to that's okay that's a relief you know they die they die with the frost so they're not going to come back you have to throw you have to throw another you have to throw another seed outside I, every year. I did
1: think I'd upset the plant so now I know it wasn't me it wasn't no it
0: wasn't plant. you at all no, no 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 no, you have to live somewhere much much hotter to have it come back
1: every year good yeah. to know ambition for life yes.
0: Anyway, sorry. So, your question about challenges. Yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of challenges, and um, maybe I don't talk about them enough, to be honest, because I think that, um, yeah, I'm so, I think I'm so in love with the process that the, the, there's a compulsion that always brings me back, no matter what the challenges have been, I've found. Um, although that hasn't always felt to be, felt, felt like the case. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think if you asked me at the hardest times whether I was going to give it up I think I would have said yes and then yeah. something happens in spring where I'm just compelled to say seeds again but um what have been the biggest challenges I mean there's challenges all the time I think I think the thing um the way you worded the question about it not being linear is a really important part of the understanding that you gain when you grow um grow any plants but particularly ones where you're where you know fruit and vegetables that you want to harvest um but accepting the fact that you know speed bumps and failures are part of the process when you know if you were to look on instagram everything's so perfect and beautiful isn't it and and you know the ugly stuff doesn't make it um i think makes it seem like the journey is always going to be smooth and beautiful and delicious and sometimes you know a lot of the time it isn't and and yeah I mean every challenge that I hit when I hit a really hard speed bump every time I think what am I doing because especially if you're I've worked in various jobs where my my pay is um how much I can harvest you know so it isn't you know I don't just get a day rate I don't just get I get it based on how much I can grow and you know when you've planted out big beds full of, of salad leaves and kales and mustards and all kinds of things. And then a fox has dig, dug them all up and you've grown those from a seed and there's nothing to replace them. That's your money gone. And so there's a lot that you have to, you know, I, I mean, I, 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 if that was my entire living, I would have been screwed. <laughs> like I had other ways of, of making money and paying the rent, thankfully, but, you know, it's heartbreaking. I was like, when I was growing in in um, in Harringay, we had these um, greenhouses. They, there were foxes there who thought our irrigation was was chew toys. They just would rip them to shreds every time we weren't there. And it was it was I literally would rather have them dug up the plants. I was like, that's my money. Yeah, <laughs> Stop eating it. <laughs> and so, you know, there's lots of you, you're, you're contending with a lot of variables that you have very little control over, you know. And so so there's a lot of times when it feels like it's not worth the effort because, you know, you feel like you're working against nature. There's been so many times when, you know, good work has been washed away or the, you know, the rain hasn't come and things have been scorched to death. Like there's, there's a lot in it. There's a ton of variables that make it really really hard and I suppose that's why I've never really been drawn to doing this like setting up my own space because I think that I'm I think I'll take I'll take some element of risk but I'm quite risk averse the idea of um of devoting my entire entirety to such a game of chance in many ways is like it's uh, that's quite daunting to me I think so and, and so yeah I think there's a there's so much to be learned within that process there's so much resilience to be uh gleaned from from understanding how to move through that and 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 then and then there's lots yeah there's lots of potential for figuring ways around those challenges you know harvesting things at different times in their lives in and in their life cycle and you know just De- dealing with I- issues in more intuitive ways that aren't in the textbooks or on you know the online courses, I think it's it, ch- it teaches you to be nimble and accepting and adaptable too. You know, so there's there's a, I mean, I could give you literally hundreds of examples of the times so I've hit obstacles, but I think that would be yeah. for a bit of a boring podcast. But, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's it's hard and and working in limited spaces, you're. You know, you you are you're very limited in what you can produce, and so there's lots of things that I haven't grown until this year. Now I've got a garden of my own, having moved out of London, and um, and I and I think that yeah, you can you can reach a point where you will get a bit tired of doing the same thing over and yeah. over again as well. And so, yeah, you're you, working within limitations can be both a kind of producer of creativity, but it can also be a bit mundane and a bit dry. But mm. but then I've also worked on farms, and that has been a really difficult and really distressing process um the 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 big farm that I worked in in Wiltshire was a really like unacceptably distressing experience and so you know it's it's but but that's work isn't it you know not every job is designed for you and I've been so lucky that I have been able to kind of carve out this very um specific niche of of working and growing in small spaces and mostly growing for people to eat but then also doing some aspect of teaching and Mm -hmm. um and talks and now I do much more writing now that I've moved and then just being you know able to have conversations with someone like you is such a gift like Mm -hmm. what an amazing thing that has only been made possible because food growing you know gave me this kind of prism with which to look at my life again in a, in a in a way in a different way and has enriched it immeasurably and so you know just being invited to participate in a conversation like this with you is like worth all of the foxes chewing my stuff
1: <laughs> well that's that I'm glad I'm glad that the foxes <laughs> but there's two things that struck me about what you were just saying the first is um, do you think that this the the relatively new relationship that you have with nature has also affected your own sort of personal philosophy or or outlook on life. Um, A lot of what you were describing kind of reminded me of like stoicism you know it's sort of it, it is what it is type of thing you know and you're just I'm sure at the time you were not so stoic and you know wanted to murder the foxes whatever but you know how have you become more resilient or have you um you know how has this relationship to nature changed you do you think
0: oh absolutely absolutely has I think that um I think you've hit the nail on the head there and and um if if I was to align myself with a a kind of philosophical framework um I would say that my my kind of Buddhist meditation practice is something that kind of arose at the same time as is my um, turning toward towards this work. And so I think there's there's a huge amount that um that I have sort of yeah internalized and then and then sort of transformed into the way that I live my life that I have learned through doing what I do and growing plants. And and there there is a, a huge aspect of um of acceptance I think of of relinquishing control or um only seeking to control that which is wise to do do so you know and I suppose that's that's part and parcel of growing organically as well growing sort of in line with natural systems because you know if you're I suppose if you're growing conventionally which is a term I don't agree with <laughs> if you're growing chemically effectively then what you're doing is you're kind of eradicating those obstacles and you're basically saying at the cost of the environment I'm I'm willing to use this chemical to make it so that I don't have to deal with x y and z pest disease or problem and um and so because I've always grown organically and been trained to grow organically and and that you know there's a there's a kind of institutional meaning but then I also mean a kind of smaller organically like from like Mm. a heart space really that it has it has forced me to force me sounds a bit forceful but you know what I mean it has encouraged me to to engage with this work as um as a participant as opposed to a kind of uh, dominator you know it's as opposed mm-hmm. to kind of in, in enforcing my will upon it I've you know seen myself as part of you know one of the dances in this huge dance you know that we're all kind of part of whether we know it to know it or not. Um, but yeah, I suppose in so many ways, that's also adapted to how I, how I live my life as well. I think it gives you a much more, um, uh, what's the right word to say? A kind of worshipful um, attitude towards, towards the natural world and towards food and towards those people who produce it as well. So there's a huge amount of gratitude that I think is I've, that moves through my life. And that, mm-hmm. that then extends beyond the kind of, immediacy of the work I do I think gratitude is something that has is I think arises really naturally when you're when you're when you recognize how it all works
1: Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm.
0: aspect of like oh when you when you know what's happening when you see all of the tiny little miracles that make it possible for all the bigger miracles to happen you just realize that this web is like this amazing alive web that is like holding all of us together in the same sort of flows of energy it yeah. just, it's just it's impossible to see all of us separately it's impossible to see yourself as a being who lives alone who can who should be like kind of wasting their energy aggrandizing themselves it's much more you know a much more connected and holistic space than that and I think yeah. that's something that has has really kind of changed the way that I viewed myself in this work and that, you know I've I've had a book out this year and there's an aspect of me kind of building myself up as a individual entity but I definitely had a sense of doing that when I was working in in documentary and tv and stuff where I was you know you're you're kind of it's necessary to feed an ego right it's necessary to have kind of build an avatar of yourself that you kind of present and 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 boy up and and here with this work it just feels really less necessary and -hmm. I think that um yeah, I think that there's a sense of being able to to know your worth and know your value in a way that's much more like quiet and mm. um, sincere and wise. I'd say. Mm-mm. I'm not saying I achieve that all the time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm saying that I uh, I, I aspire to <laughs> living these values. But then yeah. you know, I'm on Instagram. I do step. You know, there's some aspect of all of that that's very performative. You know, yeah. but I do yeah. think that it is. Um, very hard to invest in those kind of systems of ego and identity yeah yeah like we are all just going to end up as compost one day and thank goodness for that
1: yeah so Claire how did all of this begin for you um you mentioned earlier that you were a child who was not really interested in nature or the natural world and you're quite bookish so talk to us about the child that was Claire what was she like Seven yeah, seven-year-old Claire.
0: <laughs> well, when I yeah, when I was a kid, I was a nerd. I was really nerdy. And I I think that um, you know, to, to be kind of academic and bookish is definitely something that you're very encouraged to do as the child of immigrants, you know, as like the reason why my parents made the move to come from Mauritius and, and settle here was they had this opportunity that meant that they could make enough money to send to my grandparents and their family and and support them in Mauritius there and then also you know create the possibility of if they were to have a family the best possible life that they could have and so you know that's there's that's a really that that story really hangs quite quite heavily over Um, well me personally but I know that it's a kind of very common kind of immigrant narrative that your job is to work really hard and take advantage of every opportunity and so I was very bookish I learned how to read really early I would read at like lightning speed and my parents sort of really encouraged it they really loved that and so um and, and and also they're not, they're not particularly, they are much more now, but they weren't particularly nature centric. My mum my had a, loved gardening and loved to put flowers in her garden. But, you know, she's a kind of like wear two pairs of gloves, kind of like no dirt, none of that, you know, and like yeah. the idea of going for a walk in nature was just a bit like wait but why <laughs> you know it was never presented as like a, 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 a um,
1: an enriching experience that. or even I a know I'm like that I know a am like oh, that. <laughs> <laughs> you have one too why um, are we going outside what for yeah
0: <laughs> it's going to be nice you need some fresh air I mean they particularly with this year they have really embraced um you know going on their daily walks and finding places that actually have a a little wildness to them I mean you know I think about taking them for walks around here and Sam my partner will be like this would be a nice place to bring my parents and then as soon as I see like a muddy puddle I'm like nope need to find somewhere flatter (laughs) nowhere nowhere where water pools (laughs) but um but yeah so so I you know I, I did the the kind of usual thing where I worked very very hard at school went to university worked hard there too and and then I came out and went straight into working in in TV in the UK and and then after four years moved to New York and started focusing on on working in a documentary there and I was doing that for a couple of years when I found my way to to Brooklyn Grange which is the rooftop farm in in the borough I was living in Queens despite the fact that it's called Brooklyn Grange um this Saw it was in Queens and um, is in Queens. Sorry, and and yeah, that that kind of discovery completely changed my life. You know, it was such a incredible, implausible place that I just I just felt pulled to spend more and more time there. And so I started volunteering there more, more and more and more, and as much as I possibly could. And eventually, just reached a point where I felt like it was time to come back to the UK, and so moved back. Um, and and then. pretty much yeah I moved back in winter and then by the next spring I was you know doing everything I possibly could to to just immerse myself in this work and and like somewhat naively you know just kind of turning up at whatever um you know urban farm or market garden was was taking volunteers and just kind of trying to turn my hand to any of this stuff I, I learned how to keep bees I you know started reading all the books I could possibly get my hands on and but it, it was actually doing a traineeship with growing communities the following season that was kind of the move for me to turn it from uh, something that I was really hungrily trying to learn on my own. or Well, not on my own necessarily, but trying to kind of pursue on my own volition and then, you know, kind of turning it towards actually becoming my work. And um, and yeah, that that was where I, I learned how to grow organically, like from a more... I, und- I understood the principles of it but that was where I really truly knew how to learn how to apply them mm-hmm. and um and yeah so I was growing salad um in in the middle of Hackney in a in my my training ground was uh, in Springfield Park and um, yeah it's not far away okay. from you yeah <laughs> and um and that's where I learned how to grow and you know those salad leaves ended up in the veg bag scheme that comes out of growing communities for most of the months of the year and you know I just was so as I was at Brooklyn Grange so excited about the idea that I was growing food that people were actually eating like it was going towards somebody nu- nu- nourishing somebody who I would never meet you know yeah. or I might meet but never know that they'd eaten the salad I grew and um and yeah it sort of went from there and and the, the years in between have been a kind of, you know, darting around again of of anything I could possibly do to just be growing food. And I've been a school gardener, and I've um, I've grown for restaurants. I've grown in, you know, done workshops and community centres and schools and all kinds of places and all kinds of things. And I, I you know, left the city for one season and grew in um on a farm in Wiltshire and you know I've done all kinds of bits and pieces and I I suppose that's kind of testament to how to what's kind of small scale growing can really look like in terms of it actually being a sustainable career in that all the jobs I had in London all my I don't think any of them bar the school gardening ever was more than one day a week so Mm -hmm. I was always kind of cobbling it together I was working on one site on Mondays and another site on Tuesdays and then schools on Thursdays and then you know the whole cycle would start all over again and and it was I mean it was exhausting it was lots of like darting around on my bike and carrying bags of you know supplies and bits and pieces and figuring out how to move scenes from one place to another and all kinds of shenanigans (laughs) but I suppose it's kind of testament to how determined I was to do this work I was Mm -hmm. kind of and then even when it got really hard and winters would be really hard because they'd quieten down a lot I never had a a job that kind of saw me through winter, so I ended up kind of working in cafes or doing whatever else I could to to make rent. And um, and yeah, so there would there would be times that were really difficult. But I don't know. I think once you have a taste for working outside, the idea of kind of going back to an office full of people um, just seems unfathomable. <laughs> and even when it's really like frosty and cold and painful and difficult. I don't know, there's nothing quite like that feeling of like having done a really full and intense day's work, being like grimy from top to bottom and then getting home and just feeling really um, satisfied and having a really hot shower
1: yeah. in <laughs> and a then very having sort
0: the best of, sleep ever.
1: <laughs> yeah, in a very sort of, I don't know, deep, sort of primal way, I imagine. Yeah. You, know, you really feel like your bones ache because of the work, the physical work that you've done
0: totally
1: so um, how do you think that this 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 work that you've carved out for yourself this this uh this being of the urban gardener has helped you um connect more with other people is it through the relationships that you've made while you're growing or is it purely through the the nourishment of other people through the food that you grow or is it maybe a bit of both it's
0: absolutely a bit of both. Um, especially in London, there is like a very sort of robust, quite quite small, but not, not insignificant, you know, community of growers. And so you come to kind of, you come to know each other pr- pretty well, or at least be familiar with people's names and faces. And so I would say that, um, yeah, my, my, my people, my growing family, like they are... They mean the world to me. They are the ones who made it possible for me to be in the position that I'm in. They have taught me everything. That like particularly Sophie, who is the head grower at Growing Communities, is has she's one of my dearest friends, and she's also just for all of these years been the most generous teacher, and just has upheld my efforts in every single way, you know. And so, like this work, I think when you work alongside somebody doing this work, it's very yeah, it's very connecting. It's quite bonding mm-hmm. because it can be yeah, it feels very, um, primal as you say, but also like it's, it's hard graft. And so there's, when, when you're, when you're working alongside somebody who you care about, who you almost invariably great to care about, you know, there's no slacking off because you're doing it together. If there's a big, if there's a big job to be done, you're doing it for each other. And so, um, and, and like, that's a, that's a relationship like my, my dear friend, Sarah, who, um, I worked on the, the kitchen garden with, and we set that up last season. Not yet, not 2019. And, um, and it was really hard. It was a really, really tough job. And we, and we wished that we could have been there more if it was possible. And there was so much more than we could possibly have done in the kind of day and a half that we had on site. But, you know, we were kind of doing it for each other as well. It wasn't just for the, for the vegetables. It was the, if there was anything I could do to make their life easier, I would have, you know, I would have done, I would have, you know, backflip to make sure that they were okay. And I know that it would have done the same thing for me. And we had, I think, you know, the, the one thing that I actually do miss about having kind of that growing relationship is just the conversations we would have when we were working because it was just really possible to get really deep <laughs> and really yeah. have really profound connections with somebody while we're harvesting beads together, you know. <laughs> We'd be on, on separate, on other sides of the stalks to each other <laughs> and, and just be talking through everything that was happening for us. And it was... Yeah it was such a, and you know, enriching part of the, this kind of growing journey I've been on is finding these people who are my people. And, and yeah, so I think there's a huge aspect of that, of, of growing by other people's sides that has been really beautiful for me. Like, for, yeah, like the farm in Wiltshire was just a really horrendous experience, but out of it has come the most wonderful friendship. My friend Becky, who was, who, who really took care of me there and we, we, grew side by side and and was the reason I got through it and still remains Mm -hmm. one of my best friends to this day so yeah I think I've um I've gone about collecting collecting growers who I will keep close to me for hopefully forever and and yeah and then obviously the aspect of growing food for people to eat is so deeply connecting it gives me so much life to present somebody who who I care, who I've cared about for the longest time, or who I've just met, something that I grew myself and watched them eat it, and hope that they. I don't think there's not been many times when I've watched somebody eat something I've grown, and they've gone <laughs> And I don't A know day. if it's out of politeness, or <laughs> or if it's, or if it's, uh, or if it's just because I'm that good. Or maybe really just good. The vegetables are
1: that good. They actually. were delicious. The cucumbers, the million cucumbers you forced us to eat, they were all <laughs> excellent. I can guarantee it. Um, so, so, you know, we've talked about this before, but you know, at Equal we're really, um, we're really trying to uh, encourage people to connect over food and drink and great conversation. So, just touching again on on you know coming back to your idea as as growing food as a as an act of love and um talk, talk to us a little bit more about how you feel that food really does act as this this conduit to deeper more meaningful connection
0: like I think um for me food has always been the medium through which I've expressed love or had love expressed to me and you know even though food growing wasn't part of my childhood in any way um cooking and e- eating absolutely was you know and um You know, I always describe my there's my my auntie Mina who would always, which was serving food. She'd be like, "Tell me when it's enough," and you say "enough," and there's always one afterwards. And it's just this like, yeah, but if you just let me love you a little bit more, and the way I'm going to do that. Is just like slightly overfill you. There was, there's just a, you know, a kind of communication of of holding. I think when when people are, are cooking food for you and serving it to you and, and watching you enjoy it, eat, and, and that's just really cultural as well. From for, I mean, I, I I I'm sure there's no cultures that don't have some aspect of this, but um, Mauritians are feeders. We just are. It's kind of what we do. It's how I grew up. You know, it's um, the food is always kind of abundant and loving and generous and um always forthcoming (laughs) and so the idea that someone could come to your house you and offer them something to eat is just like anathema to to who we are as people and so you know it was just how we oriented our our family how we oriented our social time our love for each other our yeah anything that we were doing was always oriented around food and um and it's also been a, a you know way of kind of feeling a connection to to my family to my to my ancestry in in a in a in a life where I haven't always felt that way. You know, the, there's there's um, a number of ways of there's a number of aspects of my the person I've become that feel disconnected from my heritage. But the one thing that is not disconnected is the food, you know. And it's I'm I'm I love to cook it myself. What I what I know to cook. What's really funny is I sh- I should really know how to cook more. But there's definitely some things that my dad will only half explain because I think he wants to st- only be the one who can cook it for us, you know. That's so nice. Yeah, he's definitely he's definitely like he, like s- safeguarding his his secrets. You know, he'll <laughs> yeah. sort of half explain things to Sam when Sam's asking how something's made. He's like, I'll teach you one day, but I'll explain one it so fast <laughs> you won't <may> remember. <laughs> He's the dad. <laughs> and then he'll be like, "I made this for you," and you know why <laughs> he kind of held that little bit back, but um, but yeah, it's it's a uh, it's it it's it really means it means everything, I suppose, and and so yeah, growing food has is just like that turbocharged because I'm there from the very beginning and I have to participate and pay attention and. And uphold and uplift this plant until it yields, and then I get to give it to my family. That is just wildly beautiful to me. And and this year was the first year I successfully grew Mauritian cucumbers for my dad. And because of the lockdown, I couldn't give him the first ones in person. So obviously, I just packaged them up like precious <laughs> art and sent them in the post. <laughs>
1: Did they make
0: it? <laughs> yeah They were oh. very bust They were big They were like oh, I don't know Obviously this is on Audio They were big They were big They were kind of Fat and beautiful And pale skinned And gorgeous And they were and, But I mean Sam Sam was really good To bubble wrap them <laughs> But they made it And they were great Precious cargo And I um, sent them In a shoebox And then I just did that Sort of four or five times This summer And But by the end By kind of Mid-autumn My parents were able To visit you know I was, I'd, I'd kind of limped these these cucumber plants along a few extra ones in the greenhouse and there was you know I just said oh I'm gonna show you something really quickly come and look and and you know showed my dad these cucumbers growing on the vine and he was just ecstatic it was just beautiful to watch how happy he was and he was like saying to my mum really quickly in Creole, like I've got to I've got to call my sisters I've got to tell them and show them oh. you know it was just it was just gorgeous and you know I've ever since I started doing this work I, I told myself you know I've got I, I, I've got to grow the food of my family one day and so that was just a really beautiful first step of having the space and having a garden of my own for the first time to be able to do that and and you know the only reason I was able to move out into this countryside is because of how much my parents have supported us and supported yeah. me and made that possible so it's the least I can do. Is grow yeah, grow them, them cucumber. some
1: cucumbers, <laughs> grow them some computers, uh, computers, grow them some computers, grow them some cucumbers. <laughs> oh, I'd be rich,
0: grower oh, if I could oh, grow those.
1: Oh, harvesting computers, no thanks. Um, <laughs> so, so just uh, kind of wrap up now, Claire. So, I feel that um, I feel that you are a very wise person. I think I felt that. I feel like you're a little old, so, so I felt that when we first like connected over Zoom, unfortunately, then I came, was lucky enough to come visit. Um, so I'd, I'd love for you to, to tell us and the listeners, you know, what's, what's most important to you right now? What do you think we could be doing more of in the, in the field of, of growing and connecting more with food?
0: Oh, wow. Well, that's a compliment, first of all, to be called wise. That's a really big question. But I think the answer is just paying attention. This year has been so disruptive and it continues to be heartbreaking. But one of the things it seems to have created the possibility for is, is, is a, the possibility to call pause and maybe change pace a, a little, like for some, not for everybody. But there has been an encouragement to some extent to... Just slow down enough to maybe reconsider what how we spend our time what we invest our energy our money our, our heart into um, and i'd say that's something that you know the plants have taught me is to pay attention you know it's this this process teaches you to to pay attention there's sort of no version of of growing that Let's you do it with your, you know, while you're distracted and trying to multitask. It really has to have your whole heart and your whole mind engaged, even if it's only for a few moments when you're sort of surveying your landscape, you know. And so, yeah, I think I think that's all. I think that's something that, if we have the opportunity to do, I think we should do. I think it. I think it encourages us to to pay attention to to, well sorry to pay attention to notice is what I mean. It encourages us to notice and encourages us to be curious and to to not take things for granted. And I don't mean that in their kind of not believing sense. I mean don't take things for granted just because they happen to be there. They might not always be there. And so um I think paying attention and noticing makes it possible for gratitude to arise and there's a lot that we have had to do without and have had taken away from us some people more than most and I just think um yeah paying attention makes gratitude more possible for what we do have so um yeah is that okay yeah <laughs> it'll well, be um,
1: no, <laughs> a lovely way to end and um I want to express my gratitude to you, Claire. Thank you so much. It was a a lovely way to spend an hour talking about growing and love and connection. And Claire's book, How to Grow Your Dinner Without Leaving the House is available now. Please buy it and start small and then look where you can grow to, not computers, just big computers. computers Not big computers, big cucumbers. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Join me next time, where I'll be chatting to acclaimed chef and zero waste warrior, Doug McMaster, about flavor, food systems, and waste, and whether he ever gets tired of being referred to as the chef without a bin. See you next time.